It's JP with the Golden State Warriors. Now back to Willard and Diggs. Looking forward to JP and all eight of his three-point attempts tonight. Right here on 95-7, the game. Grizzlies, Warriors, Draymond, Dylan, and Dibs. Three referees will be in this game tonight. I'll can't, check the assignments to let you know to exactly it. who it is. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I've I've come across, Mark, on these airwaves as a bit of a ref apologist. I... <laughs> I'm an, I am a referee, so... I'm sorry I laughed. No, I'm you sorry. can laugh. A bit of a ref apologist. I know I may come across as a bit of a ref apologist. Sometimes Apology I, not accepted. Sometimes uh. I take the official side too readily. Sometimes I don't take a step back and maybe look at the context of what's going on in, in certain situations. I feel like our, our society right now, in terms of officials... Athletes, coaches, and parents, we're at a crossroads. And so a lot of times I am overly defensive of the officials. And I get it. I, I do get it. When you bring it up from that perspective, and it's funny because I think I think this is one of the things that happens just in our particular conversations. Like the experience you're having, you you feel like you relate to like Scott Foster's experience. And I look at that and go, while you may relate to the experience. It's totally different. Completely. Scott Foster, you get this. You are, you're in the big dance. You're making a lot of money, and there's a lot of care, and people buying tickets, and they're being entertained, and there's major performers, and you're officiating them. When you are getting yelled at, Dibs, oh, my God, that's ridiculous. Like all of you parents, shut up. And, and, and not for the refs, not for Dibs. Who's out there working hard for your kids? But for your kids, do you want to know? This is the one thing. I'll just I'll get off the soapbox in a second. No, I got my own soapbox. But there, hop on there's here, one thing that really woke me up, and I've never been the scream at the youth ref guy ever. But uh, spoiler alert: I'm a vocal person. Yeah. Okay. I'd love to see your uh, your pregame speeches. Your baseball team, your little league team. People are kids asleep. They're asleep. Little uh, coach, Timmy's asleep. Coach, it's the third <laughs> inning. We're down 5 nothing. We haven't gone to the field yet. You have to let us go out there. We, as an infield, need to use our gloves to retrieve the ball. Infinite number totally. of outcomes. I'm in the corner of the dugout with a fake beard on. <laughs> All right, young man. Come on over here and let me discuss why your BABIP is unacceptable. Obviously, as a Obviously. pitcher, I want you to throw strikes and not balls. Obviously, <laughs> this is Little League, but we still want to win. Um, no, so it, here's here's one thing that always stood out to me. Uh, it was, uh, I think, uh, the first time it happened, my daughter's soccer. This is when we still live down south. And, and so... Uh, they do this thing called, uh, I don't know if they call it Players Week. Silent Saturday. Silent is what they Saturday. Call it. And you're like, you're not allowed to talk. And you watch certain parents who are just like, like they're just, they can't handle it. But what got me is when the kids get in the car afterwards, they're like, that was great. We love that. So even Dr. Dad, who's out there going, you think you're encouraging them. Come on, go, go for the ball, run hard. Right, run, run. Right. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. So, um, Dibs, let me do your work for you for one second. Okay. Okay? Everybody at the youth sports game, shut up. Thank you. 
grab a coffee and enjoy the hell out of your kid and then take them for ice cream after. That's what they want to do. That's your job. There Unfortunately, you and I'm just going to say this and be as honest as I can, from what I've seen in my 37 years of youth sports officiating, it's a trickle-down effect. And it trickles down from the Draymond Greens, from Andre Iguodala, yeah, I said his name, in the palms up vacation, and Fred Van Vliet, his comments are not wrong, the comments you're going to play, but what we've gotten to in sports, and the NFL's not like this as much, because you got a play clock, you got a helmet on, and you got business to handle. You don't have time to go talk to the ref. Correct. <laughs> and in baseball, there's zero tolerance. I if you that, argue my ball strike, right, you're right. automatically well, gone. The I problem hate, is in the NBA. I hate that, though. The baseball holier-than-thou thing where the umpires treat the, the players like they're their parents. I'm so. Did you talk? Did you look at me? No, I go to your room. It's like that's a 33 year old man with kids. That's also. I would say that's broken. But the NBA relationship is broken almost beyond repair because on almost every possession, somebody is complaining about something. Absolutely. Now, with all that said, it seemed like this hit you a little bit different. Yeah. And and I agree with this. So take a listen. This is Fred Van Vliet of the Toronto Raptors. Uh, you will hear a healthy number of beeps uh, because Those Fred. Those are F words. <laughs> there's actually a bunch of different cuss oh, words. Okay. Yeah, he 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 used them. He had like seven of them. Um, so you can plug them in uh, with your imagination. Here we go, Fred Van Vliet on NBA officiating. I mean, I don't mind it. I'll take a fine. I don't really care. I thought Ben Taylor was f-ing terrible tonight. I thought that on most nights, a couple of the you know out of the three, there's one or two that just the game up. It's been like that a couple games in a row. Um, Denver was tough, obviously. You come out tonight, you're competing pretty hard. The third quarter, I get a bull attack. Changes the whole dynamic of the game. Changes the whole flow of the game. You know, most of the refs are trying hard. I like a lot of the refs are trying hard. They're pretty fair. They communicate well. And then you got the other ones who just want to be dicks and um, just kind of the game up. Nobody's coming to see that. They come to see the players. I think we're losing a little bit of the fabric of what the NBA is and was, and it's been disappointing this season. You can look up most of my texts this year have been with Ben Taylor officiating. So at a certain point as a player, you feel it's personal. It's never a good place to be. That's not why we lost tonight. We got outplayed, but it definitely makes it tougher to overcome. Okay, what do you think? Well, I think uh, the essence of what he's saying, I don't know the Ben Taylor-Fred Van Vliet relationship. (laughs) I know that Van Vliet's gotten eight technical fouls this year. I don't know what the breakdown is as far as Taylor techs or non-Taylor techs, but I do know this. There are a lot of newer, younger officials in the association. All you have to do is listen to Bob Fitzgerald on NBC Sports Bay Area, and he will highlight on that night's game, which official's inexperienced, which official is is more experienced. So you've got a crop of younger refs who don't have maybe the experience to know when the appropriate time is to issue a tech and when it's not. And when it comes to a player like Fred Van Vliet and he's talking about how this official may have it out for him, I think that that could be a thing because these officials, and here's where I'm going to defend the refs to an extent, Every single night, no matter where they go, they're going to hear an earful from most of the players, from most of the coaches, from the fans, and that adversarial relationship has gotten really bad. It used to be in the association, you would have a moment where a coach could maybe take the ref aside and you would communicate, and the players knew how to communicate. You don't often see that now where the players appropriately talk 
to the officials. Well, I mean, all of our jobs evolve, and and so they, there's there's has to, and being yelled at and being the the point of frustration is part of the job for a ref. That's not new. That's always been the case. Even back when uh, there were fun relationships, you know, Charles Barkley had like some fun relationships with with certain officials. And you're right. I think that that's probably gone. Um, but by the by the same token, I think what Van Vliet is talking about for me is the part that really really gets me. I don't mind. I don't like it in the moment. But I'm going to understand and expect bad calls. Like this is all happening real fast. These are huge men shoving one another around, and in some cases, Chris Paul, James Harden, trying to get the ref to think stuff happened that didn't happen. Sure, all of them. I mean, if we want to talk about Mount Flopmore, it's going to be tough to find just four, but Jordan Poole, the way he throws his head back at the first sign of any encroaching defender, (laughs) and I'm glad you pointed that out because I think officiating in the NBA has never been more difficult. The speed, the size... The the rules themselves, like what's continuation, what's a gather step, everything is reviewable and challengeable. The refs are in a difficult spot. This is not to excuse them, but I think that we as fans have an expectation of near perfection, and that's where I think that well, we, we kind of miss out. But we get over that. Like we, There's never been a game that where you're a fan and, and you don't think a bad call happened, and you stand up and you, you, you say it or you tweet it or whatever. Like that's, that's part of the game, and we get over that, unless it's at a really pivotal moment at the end of a game and you feel like it costs you. So I get that, and that's not new either. What gets me, though, is I think what Van Vliet is talking about. I think there are certain jobs in life, by the way, parenting is one of them, where you are asked, it is literally, it should be, written in your contract. You have to put your ego away. If you're on the offensive line in the NFL, you don't get to showboat and point at me and get commercials. That's not your job. And every offensive lineman I've ever known knows that. They're happy to just be the misshapen dude in the middle. <laughs> they're And they're like, it's great, right? The running back goes up the middle and gets all the shine and the chunky soup commercial, and they're in the back, and they're like, yes, go Terrell Davis, right? Like, all of that. So they get it. To me, an official, an ump, it's the same thing. You may not bring your poor relationships, your ego, your anger, whatever the hell. You, I'm sorry, you don't get to bring it to the court. Right. Raymond Green and Dylan Brooks do. Their job is to entertain, and they get to poke one another's bear, and they get to do that. You don't. So if you're bringing what Van Vliet is saying, which is you're bringing relationships, you're bringing stuff from past games, if you've got an agenda, then there's no place for you here. I agree with that. I, I disagree with your sense of ego. Now, there's ego in terms of I'm the ref, I'm Joey Crawford, don't look at me, Tim Duncan, or I'm going to throw you out of here. That There's no place for that. But in terms of me being a ref out there doing my best, I'm in the NBA as an official, and I'm proud of it, and I'm out here trying to do my level best. And if I have a player who is constantly disrespecting me and questioning me and chirping at me you get to a point and even as a parent you know you get to a point with your kids 
You're not going to let your kids well, disrespect you. You made the analogy about correct. being a parent. Well, I just mean putting your ego aside. Correct. And and, and in terms all, of an official, yeah. yes, you should put your ego aside to the extent of I'm out here. You're out here to see me, everybody. You're yes. paying to see. I'm John Goble. You better recognize you're out here to see me. It, it, I get that part of it. It's a point better made about umps than it is about NBA refs. Again, I can't stand when the ump. Here's the worst thing in officiating in all of sports is when a, a player who's either in the batter's box or someone says something from the dugout and the ump removes the mask and takes one step forward. Oh, dude. Back down. This ain't for you. We don't want to see your attitude. We don't think you look great with that big pad in your chest. Angel Hernandez, stop it. We, we think you're awful. Like, you've got to stop stepping toward people and, in essence, challenging them to give you more. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. I agree with that. The word ego, it's impossible to totally put it away. We, right. I, like, well, I'm a fan of a healthy ego. Like, we all, I want everybody to love themselves. Well, especially when you're out there trying to adjudicate 10 grown, elite, yeah. large men. There's got to be a certain amount of hubris and control that you exert. You got Dylan Brooks and Draymond Green tonight. If you come out there with three meek, tentative officials... That game will get out of hand in a no hurry. Doubt. No doubt. Now, what Fred Van Vliet is talking about, though, is something that I do think is a problem in the NBA. And that is, and I'm not going to single out any ref, but you see games where it's two quick ones on a player, and that player's got to go to the bench, and it's it feels like sometimes referees are out there with certain narratives. And I'm not saying they're trying to cook games or control games, but sometimes you see, whether it's Steph Curry or Klay Thompson, a real key player... And it's like a touch foul followed by a legit foul. Now the Stars got two fouls 90 seconds in. Now the course of the game has completely changed based on well, some of the BS that Fred was talking about. Yeah. Now, speaking of a healthy ego, that was what grabbed me from this. Bonte and Joe played this earlier. So those of you who have faithfully been listening on the Odyssey app every single hour to try to get yourself into a Warriors-Spurs game, maybe you've already heard this. The rest of you are just joining us. Take a listen. This is not recent. It's all the way back in October from an episode of The Shop. Draymond Green is one of, if you remember the show, The Shop on Showtime, it's like the brawn, and then it's usually a circle of about seven or eight different people. And it's it's from the barbershop, all, right? right? Yeah, and so it's from all different walks of the sports life. Well, this particular, um, I didn't see everybody who's in there. Lisa Leslie is in there. Uh, Draymond is one of the guests. And the conversation gets into Draymond and his ability to get up for certain games. If it's LeBron coming in, if it's a Giannis coming in, because them are the games I live for. Easy. You ready for them? Easy. It's the nights I show up and we playing against the sorry The Sacramento Kings. I can't play. Who, the Kings? <laughs> the Kings stink. <laughs> <laughs> you name them. <laughs> OKC right now. OKC. Like, oh my God. It's hard Kings, those The Kings make it better this year, I hope. But you know, it's, it's like, how am I supposed to get myself up? Like with this engine, because you done like, played so many big-time games. On this soft Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, I want to highlight a couple things. Oh I love that God. Draymond was not, he didn't rip the Kings. Other people in the room did. And then Draymond, 
who was prophetic, go, hey, watch out. They might get better this year. So he was right. the one who said, oh, they suck. No, no, that was someone else. else. Someone else said the Kings stink. And Draymond goes, they might get better this year. They They hoped they got better (laughs) this year. I hope they get better. And they did. But he did Um, talk about a soft Tuesday against OKC. Which, um, That didn't age well. No, that that reminds us of a certain night not too long ago, doesn't it? Yeah, it was a soft Tuesday where uh, Draymond Green kind of was the one playing soft and you gave up a buck 30 plus and lost so here's the thing I, I i don't ever try to pretend like i understand what life would be like as an nba player making 25 million dollars a year this guy goes out on the court and someone's handing him a check for about 250 300 grand to perform on a given night and i get it you also are going to blend that with hey we're tracking toward the playoffs. That's what actually matters. We're a veteran group. We've been here before. I'm incredibly accomplished. So therefore, I have a reason to have a very healthy ego about my basketball. I don't mean that you can treat other people badly, but I have no problem with Draymond Greens of the world having a very healthy view of what they've accomplished in their profession. It has been truly, truly great. What, what gets me about something like this, though, is I think we've all got those ego thoughts. Don't you have to choose which ones you say out loud? How, how can you say this, this engine? How do I get this engine to turn on right. on a Tuesday in OKC? When, when the real world is sitting there going, because you're being paid $300,000 to turn the engine on. Roughly, yeah. And the seats are filled with people who have spent two, three, four, five, six. Not five, seven, not six. $800 to be there. To watch that engine. To watch that engine go. I don't think the feeling is wrong. And I know the shop is all about saying stuff you can't say somewhere else. That's the shop. Yeah. But, dude, don't say that to people. Do you know how bad that makes other people feel? That's my thing. It makes other people feel bad. I, like, I would feel like I was on the okie doke. I bought a ticket to see this, and then you're telling me, I can't get this engine to go tonight. Exactly. Damn it's it. disrespectful really? is what it is. It's disrespectful. And I would be... More satisfied if you just said, you know, I'm not going to play tonight. If DNP, Draymond Green's out tonight, engine. His engine's not, <laughs> you know, instead of his, yeah, it's his ankle, right. it's his calf, whatever it is. Like, GP2's not going to play tonight at Doctor. You know, you get the injury report, Draymond Green, engine. Well, the engine's just not up to ramping up for a Tuesday night against OKC. And instead, the engine, by the way, was ramped up. He played pretty well, yeah. 33 minutes, other than the play he quit on. He had a double-double, 11 points, 11 assists. Went for a walk. It was ill-timed. It was an ill-timed stroll, yeah. Yeah. I shouldn't use the Q word. Yeah, he saw some popcorn. He's like, I'm going to walk over there. That looks delicious. Then there was a turnover, and he decided not to uh, run back down the court because it was a soft Tuesday against OKC. That's right. And the only thing soft, by the way, was your team's defense giving up a buck 37 to a bubble team. I mean, we've all got that stuff, right? Like, you've all got that. I, what if I you came on the air at 9 o'clock for the changeover and Bonte, hey, how you doing, Mark? Bonte, I, I, I wish you'd ask Dibs, the engine. The engine's not really feeling it today. You know what? That's actually nowhere near as bad as what he said. It would be worse. It would be like, listen, 
I know you guys are doing a show. We got a show. And I know that there are thousands of people listening right now. But it's Tuesday. And uh, it's the holiday book. It's December 18th. <laughs> How you expect me to get my engine, my voice, revved up when I know that Christmas is next week? And I've already got all my gifts. And we got this uh, really fun job that we do. But how do you expect me to get up for that? When somebody who's driving around listening has got their hair on fire, trying to get their last-minute Christmas gifts, trying to save up enough money to do it, and they're stressed out of their mind, and they're looking for us for a little distraction and levity. Like, I take pride in that. It is a very small thing compared to what the world looks to Draymond Green to do. Again, I got no problem with the thought. I have a problem with the filter, and I know that we love Draymond Unfiltered, but I just think there are certain things that you keep to yourself. That's yeah, all. For the betterment of the overall product. And, you know, Draymond Green is one of the faces of the association, and basically what you're saying is there's going to be a number of games, and you could look at the schedule. We could look at all the soft Tuesdays on the Warriors' schedule, and you can just expect that they're not going to give their best effort. Now, we can't expect these guys to go out there and play all 82 and play 45 minutes a night and go balls to the wall every single second. That's not what we're saying, but just allow us as an audience member looking to be entertained, allow us to at least have the belief that you actually care about these games that you're actually playing. Do you want to know what I would have found to be even better? When he says, how am I going to get this engine revved up? If he had said, you know, look, after 10 years in the NBA and four championships, I wish it wasn't always this way, but I have to admit, I f there are nights, call it a Tuesday. A soft in, Tuesday. In, in Orlando. We always pick on Orlando. Tuesday in Charlotte. And I, there are times where I find it more difficult than others to get myself revved up. Damn, LeBron, it's a lot easier when you come to town. That's for sure. But, man, when it's just um, Bancaro, it's not as easy for me to rev my engine up. I think that sounds great. But when you look at fans who are using all of their dollars to come see you, right. and you literally say it like that, how do you expect me to rev my engine up? How do I expect <laughs> you to rev your engine up? You're making twice people's salary tonight. Right. That's how. <laughs> That's how I expect you to get your engine revved up. Yeah, I mean, it's... That's all. It's just the packaging of it, but that's Draymond. He it's doesn't the packaging, want it. yeah. He doesn't want to package it. He wants... It's his way. And he's authentic, yeah. and he's honest, and I admire that in many ways and in many contexts, but if I'm a person who's looking to purchase tickets and go to see these games, I want to have the least... The imagination that the people that I'm going to see are invested in the product that I'm paying to go see. It's like if you go to a restaurant and the chef comes out before, and go, you know what? I'm not really feeling the spices tonight. I'm not really feeling the recipes. I'm having a hard time revving up my cooking engine. Right. Enjoy the meal, everyone. Like, great chef. It's a restaurant that's been humming, but that night it's only half full. Chef comes out of the kitchen. Look, half these tables are empty. How do you expect me to bring my good items tonight? Yeah. You'd be offended. You'd I'm, be ticked. The cardamom is off the table. Oh. There'll be no cumin. Love a good cumin. Yeah. Uh, we're sponsored by AC Transit. I love a good Pete Pranica conversation as well. Voice of the Grizz. Brooks, Green, 
Round 28 is tonight right here on 95.7 The Game. We'll find out what Pete thinks is going to happen out there when it gets started. That's next on Withered and Dibs. Now, back to Willard and Dibs on 95.7 The Game. All right, again, uh, nobody does a better movie trailer than Draymond Green and Dylan Brooks. Um, That's what they honestly should both be doing in retirement. Oh. Uh, Advertising. Uh, because they are doing one hell of a job. You know what I mean? Willard and Dibs, glad you're with us. Uh, YouTube chat, Twitch, thanks for uh, for bringing it there. Xfinity Mobile text line, and we'll get back to your calls momentarily at 888-957-9570. We want to take this call, though. This guy's name is Pete Pranica. You know Big what fan. I'm saying? Pranica's awesome. He's, he's the TV guy uh, doing play-by-play for the Memphis Grizzlies. Hey, Pete, what's cooking, man? Well, not a lot of good news in the, in the Grizzlies world with the announcement that Stephen Adams is going to miss at least the next four weeks. So uh, we're uh, we're trying to recover from the last road trip and, and to get hit with another bit of bad news is uh, it, it's not a good day. I think we want to get to a baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. A lot of things on your roster, but let's start with this. Which game are you broadcasting tonight? The Grizzlies-Warriors game or the fight outside between Draymond and Brooks? <laughs> well, since it's a TNT national game, we can't do it. So uh, we'll be uh, we'll be observing whatever happens between those two guys because certainly there's been a, a war of words. And all I can say is I was... I was on the debate team in high school, and I wish Draymond had been my partner because we would have won a, uh, a heck of a lot more tournaments if he had been my partner. Oh, just I can imagine the rebuttal where uh, he's scribbling notes after the opening salvo from the other team, and he's just blasting away. And I'm not sure if name calling worked back uh, in your forensics, <laughs> but uh, man, he sure went at Dylan uh, Brooks with with double barrels yesterday. Yeah, he did. You know, and and obviously Draymond and the Warriors, they, they've got rings to back it up, and so. You know they're going to talk, and you know, Dil- Dylan doesn't like Draymond, and Draymond doesn't like Dylan, and the, and the two teams really don't like each other. So you know it's it's just it's just kind of the kind of the way it is. It's, it's not as much of a rivalry, I think, as some people might want to make it out to be. Because frankly, with the exception of of the play-in win by the Grizzlies a couple of years ago, the, the series has been owned by the Warriors. So um, you know, but I, I'm sure emotions are going to be high. The Grizzlies, I will be. Interested to see how they respond to not having Brandon Clark for the rest of the season. When you talk about four weeks for Stephen Adams, that essentially is the rest of the regular season. Um, and then John Morant for an indeterminate period of time. So uh, their their mental capabilities and their, their will to win will be tested tonight. And, you know, will they come out and be the more desperate team? By the same token, I know Golden State struggled on the road. They, it, and, you know, they, it's obviously a, a game where the two teams don't like each other. So I would imagine that Golden State's going to come out 
with with a fair amount of, of them and bigger to get a win here on the road. Pete, I know when you say it's maybe not as big of a rivalry as people would expect, I know sort of what you're you're indicating that the Warriors have had the the upper hand, but there's definitely a perception here that the Grizzlies players are borderline obsessed with with the Warriors. Is that not the case in your mind? I don't I don't think they're obsessed. I think that it's a game you get up for. I mean, the Warriors are, are, are four-time champions. If you can't get up for playing the four-time champions, playing Steph Curry, best shooter on the planet, Draymond Green, one of the best and most unique players in the history of the NBA, uh, if you can't get mentally ready for that game, if you don't get jacked for that game, well, then you probably should should find a different profession. So, you know, regardless of anything, look, you're, you're playing the champs, you want to beat the champs, and uh, particularly on your home floor. So uh, I don't... I don't I don't think the Grizzlies are obsessed with Golden State. Um, you know, Dylan, Dylan talks trash about a lot of people, not, not just Draymond Green. <laughs> yeah, that's that's for sure. And uh, Warrior fans still thinking about that Gary Payton the second flagrant that uh, he sustained last year in the playoffs. Just looking at this Memphis team tonight and going forward for the next four games without John Morant, from where does the offense derive? Well, a lot of it is going to have to come from Tyus Jones, which which we saw in the last couple of games particularly the Clipper game, uh, he has the capability of, of going for 20-plus. Uh, Desmond Bain had a great game against the Clippers, poor game against the Lakers. Um, the issue that the Grizzlies have is that you really don't have, outside the Desmond Bain, you don't have a secondary ball handler. Uh, Kennedy Chandler is a rookie. He may get some run. Um, he was bothered by a stomach virus uh, in the previous game against the Lakers and wasn't even active for that particular game. So, uh and Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to have to go large. The guys that are standing still have to have to go large. Jaron, I think, has to go 25-plus in order for the Grizzlies to have a chance to win. I think Desmond Bain has to go 25-plus. Uh, this, is, this is a team that's going to have to rely on those guys in order to get the, the majority of their offense. And, and maybe Luke Kennard gets hot. He's been, he's been running hot and cold. He was, he was hot against the Clippers, cold against the Lakers. So uh, everybody is going to have to participate and contribute in a big way. But I, I think, you know, Bain and Jones and Jackson are the guys that are really going to have to uh, have to make it happen offensively. Pete Pranica, who is the TV play-by-play voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, is joining us here on Willard and Dibs on 95.7 The Game. Pete, let's talk about John Moran. What has been the reaction out there, and where do you think this goes next? I think the reaction has been largely supportive here in Memphis, understanding that, you know, here's a kid who's made some poor decisions, and he's going to take responsibility for those decisions. Uh, it's, I think that's the general reaction here in Memphis. Obviously, the reaction nationally has been all over the board, and some of it has been, frankly, reprehensible. But be that as it may here in Memphis, people are, are willing to support. They're glad that he's stepping away from the team, that he can get whatever issues he has addressed in, in a uh, constructive fashion. And, uh, you know, beyond that, it's like, well, we, we don't know when he's going to be back. Uh, right now he's away from the team. It is not a suspension. But by the same token, the league is doing their investigation, their due diligence. Will that result in a league suspension? A lot of this is unknown at, at this point, so it's it, it's it's uh, terra incognita, if you will, for for the Grizzlies in a lot of ways. What's your impression of the young man being close to him as the the play by play voice of the team? Because outside of the Memphis bubble, many fans, like you were saying, some of the reactions are reprehensible. I don't think that we know the John Morant that you see day in and day out. 
He is, you know, I, I, I talked to one of our assistant coaches who is like his exclusive workout coach and says he's never met a better person uh, in terms of relating. You know, he treats the coach's family and kids like his own. Um, and, and it's so crazy because, okay, we're in Denver and our broadcast location is right next to a series of seats. Our trainer puts a, a little thing, a hand cream, right in front of us, and the players come and, you know, they use the hand cream or whatever. There's a kid immediately to the right of our broadcast position sitting courtside with a Morant jersey. He's obviously a Jaw fan. He's reaching out before tip-off. He wants Jaw to dap him up. And Jaw, you know, at first doesn't see him and starts putting cream on his hands, and then he sees the kid and like, okay, I've got cream all over my hands. What do I do? This kid wants, wants me to dap him up. So Jaw takes some of the cream off his hands, puts it on the kid's hands, rubs it in, wraps him up. That's, you know, so you see that, and then, of course, <laughs> the next morning we wake up and, and everybody saw the video on, on Instagram Live. I think he's a really good kid. Um, he had a quote a couple of years ago in the bubble, and he said, when you feel like you're drowning, it's because you're trying to be the anchor for everybody. Uh so maybe he's he's dealing with some burdens and some pressures and some stresses that uh, you know we don't know about or aren't apparent even to those of us closest in the organization, and and so you see him on the one hand where he's been so incredibly generous. I saw him, you know, not only give away some shoes, but I mean he's done Make a Wish events here in Memphis. He's been great with kids. He's been great with us in in, in the broadcast community. And then, then you see what happens on Instagram Live, and you're going like, okay, how do we how do we corroborate these these two sides of Jaws? So, uh, I think he's a good kid who's made some bad decisions, maybe because of, of stress or or other factors in his life. And I think all of us just want him to to get right, that he can handle the stresses and the pressures of being a major star in the NBA and the leader of an NBA team. Uh, that have championship aspirations that that they can get all this squared away. Yeah, that's all really interesting. I, you know, from from the view out here, you know, you look at a roster that has no one who's had their thirtieth birthday, and now you got a lot of those guys out on, and and it makes it hard uh, for them to 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 sort of maybe fill in their role as leaders. I, I wonder how you'd answer this, Pete. Do, do the Grizzlies have a a leadership issue? Uh, I. I have felt that you should always have an OG there, you know, whether that's Andre Iguodala or, or whoever, uh, working with a particularly young team to make sure that they stay on, on the straight and narrow. And just teach young guys how to be professionals. I mean, there's a lot more to being a professional basketball player than bouncing a ball and cashing a check. I mean, there's a lot more to it than that. And sometimes young guys, just, they, they don't understand whether it's taking care of your body getting your proper rest, you know, the effort that you put in, whatever it is. Um, and this team has been very, very young, and there's nobody on the north side of 30. Uh, and, you know, I, I think in roster construction, I think you need to have one of those guys, and, and the Grizzlies don't. Steven Adams has tried to step into that role. Um, but if you talk to anybody on the team, when Jaws around the team, he's the leader, but he's a leader at 23. So, um you know, I, I I wish that there were that 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 Jay Crowder type player, uh, you know, which the Grizzlies had uh, during Jaws' rookie season. That you'd have that type of guy, that type of veteran influence. I think that's very helpful uh, in in a lot of ways. But it's not something the Grizzlies have. They're the I think last time I checked, they're the third youngest team in the NBA by average age. So, um, and and this is where I think you miss Kyle Anderson. Kyle Anderson was. 
He's not a very vocal leader, but he was he was one of those older pros that had been around, obviously, in the San Antonio uh, program. So, uh, you know, I, I think the Grizzlies are missing him right now. But uh, that, that's the way this roster has been put together. And, and Stephen Adams, now not able to play, is, is still trying to be a leader, and, and, and that's good. But, uh, you know, hopefully there are, there are some more guys that can take leadership roles. Yeah, I, Pete. Gosh, it's an interesting story the yeah. way things have turned there for that uh, that team. And uh, appreciate your candor on it. And thanks for coming on. No problem. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a good day. All right, you too. That's Pete Pranica, the TV voice of the Memphis Grizzlies. I look. That's some honesty there. Like you know that that's tough. I, I'll just like put it out there. It's difficult to ask a team employee, "Hey, do they have a leadership problem?" Um, but he answered it in a way like that that sort of says. Um, yeah. <laughs> they yeah. do. Yeah, well, he said they, they need an OG. Yeah. And I love hearing Pete Pranica talking about OGs. <laughs> that that kind of tickled me. Uh, but that, that touches you in the, he, in the heart. He's not wrong. Yeah. And you exactly. look at the roster and you pointed it out. Not a one of their players. Even Steven Adams, who rightfully looks like he's in his I thought he was 48. 40s. I, thought I thought for so sure too. he was 48 and that he only wears flannels off the court. That's what I thought. And he's been around a long time, but he's only 29. I yeah. think you're, you're right. And he's the senior member, but... Kyle Anderson, and he mentioned Jay Crowder. If they had Jay Crowder now, just somebody who is an adult in the room. And, you know, he mentioned Andre Iguodala and the Warriors team, and that's two references today. I'm, I've turned over a new leaf. I, <laughs> he's back playing now, so i got to talk about him, right? He's on the floor, and I would anticipate he's going to play tonight because he's ramping up for the playoffs. Uh, yeah, but who knows? Uh, this Warrior yeah. team's got... And don't even count Kevon Looney into it because he's not 30 yet. But not even Steph, close. Clay, Draymond, and Iguodala, there's four guys who any team would love just for their leadership alone. Is there any contract on the San Francisco Giants right now that goes to Kevon Looney's 30th birthday? Wow, that's uh, game show music? I, Is Kevon 26? I think he's 26. Yeah. Yet any contract on the San Francisco Giants right now that goes to Kevon Lodi's thirty-seven. Oh, he turned twenty-seven in February. Okay, he just turned yeah. twenty-seven. So uh, that would mean, well, Yastrzemski's uh, pre-arb three. So, well, but he's not contractually. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I don't think not... there's a guy because Kevon won't be thirty until February of twenty twenty-six. Anybody signed through the twenty twenty-six? No, season no one's got four years. Yeah. yeah. Nobody. That's crazy. <laughs> so he's not even close to 30. And shout out Farhan Zaidi for the bullet dodge of Carlos I Am Broken Rodon. Oh, gosh. Yeah, he's, he's on out. the IL. He's out for uh, ever. No, he's got a, the, the, the real word is, so he's on a no-throw list for seven to ten days. So that means he's absolutely not going to even touch a baseball for a week and a half. And it's coming up on us soon. I think it's sneaking up on everybody, right? You have three weeks till opening day. Yeah. So if you got a week and a half where you're not going to throw, then you got to do what everybody, right? We got to ramp up. Got to ramp up. And so they've already announced that he starts the year on the IL, which has a direct effect to the San Francisco Giants because that's who they play on opening weekend. And I very much expected Rodon to shove it to the Giants on day two because Garrett Cole will probably right. handle day one. But I thought that's what was going to happen, and and now the Giants, uh, we'll see how many home runs Arson Judge hits, but at least they spare themselves from having to go against Rodon. Yeah, and uh, the Carlos Correa watch will be one that we do for years to yeah. come in terms of whether or not they dodge that bullet as well. Arson Judge, they straight missed out on, but maybe he has a down year. Who knows? Farhan Zaidi 
somewhere, somehow, <laughs> in a basement with multiple laptops open. I can see him with his hands together, letting out a hearty woo-ha-ha. Did we look at Minnesota? Minnesota, I, they don't come here, right? I feel like I know the Giants go there. The Giants will be in Minnesota May 22 through 24, so not that far uh, off in the distance. They'll be in Minnesota. I don't think Minnesota comes to Oracle. Let me confirm and scene. Facts, yes. Carlos Correa will not bat at Oracle Park this year, unless, of course, it is in the World Series. Okay, I'm just... <laughs> you're trying to get to me in March, Mark. I'm not... Did it work? not going to do that. You're not going to get me. Oh god! Maybe some afternoon in uh, early April, you can you can try to Late egg me on to that. Yeah, but yeah, when, you're, you're when I'm hungry, sleep at five twenty-two, and I'm, I'm looking like, hey, at the traffic. Hey, we're not done yet. <laughs> Show's four hours now, buddy. Jeez, come uh, on, yeah. wake up. I mean, yep, yep, yep. Yeah. I I mean, can I have just a uh, like? Are, are, is it too soon for a tiny moment of levity? I mean, I, I lost something uh, in in this process. Obviously, our our, our thoughts are with uh, you know our, our brethren who uh, who are no longer with the station. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that thing I got to hold over everybody that I was the reason all of you are only doing three hour shows. Yeah, that's the end of that. Yeah, it's gone. Yeah, that's so gone. I lost that because I I love to use that against the guys. Right. So that's too bad. Yeah. Um, anyway, I, I tell you what, something else that'll get you. Um, and I was uh, in a way. Like, you probably should have called the show yesterday because this whole, I was, like, what you said on the changeover today, boy, I was right there with you yesterday. In terms of the, uh... The way bigger story the vibe, was, yeah. was I think not, I heard you actually say that in the changeover. Yeah. I had the changeover on, and I had to run to the bathroom, came back and listened, and had to, it was a lot of back and forth for your boy yesterday. Yeah, I bet. It was <laughs> an, un, an inconvenient truth. One, one running from one room to the next. It's just, and you start to figure out, like, what do you do to get this thing to stop? What are you doing? Oh, you, you drink water. You well, can't. <laughs> yeah. You drink water. All right. You're closing in on TMI, I'm just saying. So. You're closing in. You're in the neighborhood. So I'm sitting at 90 degrees. Yeah, let's And I not. got the Odyssey app. Let's and not. I heard you say what you said. And I thought, you know what? I'm glad I'm not we, working today. Because it's minute. no good when we agree. Spadone, do we have... Do we have that Steve Ballmer clip from earlier in the week when he just screams toilets at a press conference? Do we have that? Remember, Steve Ballmer, he's going to build a new arena. And Ballmer is the craziest human being on the planet. You ever heard this guy talk? Yeah. He cannot not... Like, Steve Ballmer looks at Joe Shasky and is like, dude, why are you so calm? Like, I, it, it, he's... <laughs> He is at every press conference going crazy. So this guy's out there with a hard hat on last week, and he's talking about, we got a new arena. What's coming to the new arena? It's this. Toilets. Yeah. 1160 toilets and urinals. Three times the NBA average number of toilets and urinals. We do not want people waiting in line. We want them to get back to their damn seats at the end of the half before the game. Toilets. <laughs> what are you gonna what tell me about your new arena? Well I tell you what we're gonna have. Toilets! Yeah! That's awesome. Oh my gosh, we're buying tickets. We got toilets. Three toilets. times the NBA average. <laughs> what did he say? Eleven eleven hundred and sixty of them? Is that what he said? Of what? Toilets. To of toilets, yeah. Eleven hundred and sixty toilets, you're <laughs> 
No, it's perfect. You needed that in your house yesterday. That just one was good. Well, uh, you know, not a lot of waiting when you got a six-month-old baby. She's oh not quite. God. Unfortunately, she's not quite ready to oh to help me out in that in that front. But uh, it's a big problem in the NBA. Is the third quarter games, the stadiums, the arenas are empty. Toilets. Well, okay. And it's partly because of lack of toilets. It's partly because of lines. Whether it's lack of toilets, lack of enough concessions, it's also laziness. People, you know, the, you know, NBA games have reached a point that they need that thing they got in the theater where the lights start flashing. Like, hey, the show's about to start. Get back to your seat. People are just out and about. We hang and let's have a drink. Let's go see this person. Let's get on Instagram. Let's do a selfie over here by the statue. Like, somebody needs a warning. Go back to your seat. This is a sporting event, and the home crowd actually has an effect on the outcome. Go sit down. But Steve, not in the third quarter. Steve Kerr had to do that. Remember the playoffs yeah. last year? He's like, so uh, we started 6 o'clock, and um, I know that we're a little bit short on toilets, but <laughs> if you could maybe, I don't know. Be in your seat. Come to the game yeah. before it starts. That'd be great. You have that, and then you also have Draymond Green talking about how his engine is not well, good enough to where he can even get up for a soft Tuesday. So <laughs> we want the fans to give us all 48 minutes of hardcore fandom. Fair point. But our player Fair can't point. even... He can't even bother himself to play an entire possession when he doesn't get the ball thrown to him. Well, so so there was that, and I was... And that's what I heard you say. I, I was, was totally focused on that. Yeah, you fired like, up. Yeah, you lost the game. Your defense was terrible. Sure, that's micro. Let's go macro. I watched Draymond Green do what he did two nights ago, and I said, fine, if I'm a lawyer, I now officially have all the exhibits that I need. Steph throwing a mouthpiece, Clay waving his arms. Let's go all the way back to the Exhibit A, which is you punched him in the face in the middle of training camp. And now this, go ahead and try to convince me, the judge, that, that you like playing with Jordan Poole. Because I don't think you do. Your Honor, if I may, you don't know Jordan Poole. I don't, but I'm getting to know Draymond Green, and I don't think he likes playing with Jordan no, Poole. No, but all the exhibits that you are throwing out there as evidence, I think, point to one thing, which is Jordan Poole and his long-term fit with the team. So what do you do about it? Does Draymond Green opt out? Fine, that's his choice. You have another year of Clay Thompson. If Clay and Poole can't coexist, and by the way, Jordan Poole, he doesn't want to be a bench player his whole career, so then what do you do after that? Okay, so check this out. Steve Kerr on yesterday with Whitey and Styles. couple of things. One, yes, he addresses Draymond Green, and the fact that even though he may have been frustrated, you can't handle it that way. Well, it was uh, one of several plays in the first half where I felt we were disconnected. And I think there's no question that it, it can't happen. You know, you, you have to stay connected throughout every game. There's always going to be moments of frustration. Uh, there were a lot of moments of frustration in that game last night. And, and Draymond knows he was wrong. We, we talked about it at halftime. Uh, he knew he was wrong. He, he uh, let his frustration get the best of him. And he came back out and competed and played well and played hard in the second half. And, you know, there, these, these things happen in the course of an 82-game season. And as long as they don't linger, you, you keep pushing forward. 
Yeah, except for they are lingering. And these things are happening in the course of an 82-game season repeatedly. And so I, I don't think you can brush off that there's an issue here. Now, in terms of Jordan Poole and all his different roles, Steve Kerr weighed in on that. We'll let you hear that coming up around the bend. Willard and Dibbs presented by Fremont Bank. Full-service banking, no compromises. And we're also sponsored by Bob's Discount Furniture. Also tell you how you can win your way into a Warrior game later on this month. And we haven't gotten this to, yet, uh, to this yet, and we will. Uh, collusion in the NFL. This is obvious quite frankly. And uh, we'll tell you why next on Willard and Dibs. Toilets!